It's time for your weekly dose of nostalgia with the 80s and 90s Uncensored. I am Milo Dennison. And I'm Jamie Fenderson. And today we're doing a Tim Burton retrospective. Yeah, we know he's been around since before the 80s and after the 90s, but um, he really kind of came to his own in the 80s and 90s. And really, that's when we all heard of him and learned about him. And so it's worth a retrospective. Totally. I'm a huge fan, but I, I, I in doing this episode, I figured out that I actually, even though I'm a fan, I, I don't know anything about I didn't know anything about this guy. My son and I were watching uh wednesday his new uh netflix series and we liked it it's it's a cool show and it's kind of like scooby-doo meets hogwarts but like many shades darker than either of those things yeah it was pretty good it's a good like it's just kind of a fun show and i was like man tim burton i love tim burton but i don't know anything about him yeah 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 and uh it's got christina ricci in it one of your faves yeah it does she's the nice (laughs) teacher gal uh, okay, well, uh, Tim Burton. Well, let's let's jump into it. Born in nineteen fifty eight. There you go. I had it written down. Yeah, in Burbank. Yeah, Burbank, California, which is like totally not a Tim Burton kind of place. <laughs> yeah, nice warm weather. Yeah, I thought it was cool that his parents uh, owned a cat themed gift shop. <laughs> That might make somebody make some dark films after a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it, he when he was a kid, I guess, he was he was kind of like me. He was a constant doodler. He's always doodling and he's in his own head. I, I think one of his heroes was Dr. Seuss. So it's kind of this weird, crazy world he makes in his own head. He He was doing that since he was a kid. And at 13, he even made his first stop motion little movie um so he this is this is he 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 this is his thing man totally his thing yeah he won a competition in the ninth grade but for his local garbage company uh basically he won a prize for making the poster that he designed and the custom company placed the poster all over their garbage trucks for one year so props timothy burton for getting your poster on the garbage trucks yeah, they were probably dark too, kind of dark, funky. Yeah, there's trucks. definitely a theme in everything he does. You watch those early animations, uh, Vincent, uh, which was kind of his first uh, animation that he did for Disney, narrated by Vincent Price, kind of dark, that kind of stuff. Um, lots of drawings and that kind of stuff. And, he, and just even his look, he's always wearing black. He's got the, you know, messy black hair and that kind of stuff. Well, that's so. where he got his start was in Disney. So his skills as a storyboard artist and graphic designer animator landed him in Disney. And he did, he did work for kind of some nice stuff like Fox and the Hound, but he also did work on Tron and the black cauldron when he was at Disney. Yeah. He's a Disney animator. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. Cause you think of Disney as this like kind of upbeat, like, you know, bright, colorful, and then they like bring on Timothy Burton and it's like, but what's interesting, because there's always a whimsy to everything he does, right? Yeah, so, yes, it's true. all very dark and stuff, but there's also a humorous aspect to it all. So, what she does perfectly, I think, to where it's not dark and depressing in any way. No, I think he makes fun of the dark side of life and he has fun with it, which is, I think, his shtick is, yeah, the world's full of darkness, Um but let's just have fun with it. Let's make it kind of whimsical and, and have, have a lot of fun with it. We don't need to be scared. Like 
let's just have let's just have fun with the dark dark things in life uh that's why i think i've always really liked them yeah i agree so it's interesting that uh you know we got into some of the stuff that he directed in the early 80s and his first feature film directorial is a fave of yours yeah but well let's go back before that though okay you want to go back before that one? Let's go back before that because we were talking about how it's so interesting that he was in Disney because it's all whimsical. Mm-hmm. Well, they agreed because he made Frankenweenie, which is this light, this short. You, do you, have you seen Frankenweenie? It's this black and white kind of dark yep. thing. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Wow, Tim, that's great, but you're too dark for Disney, so you're out of here, bro." <laughs> <laughs> and they can't do. They canned him because he's too dark for them. So it's funny that you say, hey, it's so interesting because Disney's so happy and stuff. I think Disney agreed. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, this Frankenweenie thing. They're like, uh, okay, you know what? We take it back. Never mind. Yeah, but then fast forwarding, you're saying one of my faves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Rubens had seen Frankenweenie. And he's like, wow, I really like this Frankenweenie thing. Because Paul Rubens, I, I think, shares that same funky stop motion is funny but kind of dark style yeah so paul rubin's like that's the guy who's gonna direct peewee's big adventure and that was his first like live action big directorial debut was peewee's big adventure yeah that's pretty impressive too that paul rubin's was able to say okay this guy he's never directed a feature film before but i know he's the one that's gonna do my film right and let him do it and bring him in and he did because Pee-wee's Big Adventure was awesome, dude. That's where he also started his partnership with uh, Danny Elfman because he uh, Tim Burton was a big fan of Oingo Boingo because it's kind of <laughs> funky and weird. Uh-huh. Like, hey, Danny Elfman, you want to come do the musical score for this Pee-wee Herman movie? Can you imagine that conversation? Like Paul Rubens goes to Tim Burton and says, I love Frank and Weenie. I, and I hear you have a job now that Disney fired you. Do you want to direct Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, but I want to have the lead singer, the front man for Oingo Boingo do the music. Is that okay, Paul? <laughs> yeah, F and A, man. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. I would love to have heard some of those behind the scenes stuff, like at various points, if any of the producers in Pee-wee's Big Adventure are like, wait a minute, you want what? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. And whoever like, thought that it would be a box office success because this thing looks weird, but he, I guess he's really good at low budget movies, making, making a lot of money back. So Pee-wee's Big Adventure was cost, uh, what, $8 million, but it got $40 million back. So people were like, all right, Tim Burton's on the stage. That was 1985. And then yeah. he does a couple like TV things. And then he does another amazingly fantastic movie. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. He does Beetlejuice. Which is about as Tim Burton as you get. It's got stop motion. It's got it, his whole style is just prevalent throughout the whole film. Just the funky, weird, dark, funny weirdness. Yeah, that is a Tim Burton film through and through, one hundred percent. Yeah, and that one again, that one made a lot of money and got its own cartoon. So that one really cemented Tim Burton. But I just really like his funky style. I could watch Beetlejuice over and over. It's one of my Halloween watch lists. I could just watch it over and over again because it, it's so weird. And, but it's so funny. Like Michael Keaton's, even though he doesn't have that much screen time, he's freaking hilarious. Beetlejuice is such a goon, dude. 
He's so good. <laughs> Did you see they're making a sequel? No. Yep. And supposedly Michael Keaton has signed on to reprise the role. Oh, is Tim Burton directing it? I didn't catch how Tim Burton is involved. I know he's involved, but I don't know if he's directing it or producing it. But I think he's directing it. I think it's Tim Burton directed featuring Michael Keaton. Well, we'll see what happens there. He did he did well with Wednesday, in my opinion. So maybe he'll do he'll do all right. I just don't like sequels, you know. Yeah, especially yeah, they they tend to not be all that great. But yeah, he does well with sequels. You're right. I mean, he did Batman Returns, which wasn't as quite as good as the first one, but was still a pretty damn good pretty sequel. Good, yeah. Um, you're right. Wednesday's good. I haven't. We've only watched the first two episodes of Wednesday so far, so don't don't spoil it for me. No, I I, I won't. But here's what happens in the end. No, just kidding, bro. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of Batman, so he worked with Michael Keaton in in Beetlejuice, and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do Batman, because the studio's like, hey, you make really cool movies at, at cost, so we want to do, we want you to do Batman. He's like, yeah, but I got to have Michael Keaton be Batman. And they're like, what? And everybody was like, what? The comedy guy? And he's not even buff or anything. He's just an average build you're crazy. And there was this huge backlash and they almost took him off the project, but he got his way. It turns out Michael Keaton was, a, in my opinion, the best Batman ever to be. I agree. Uh, he is definitely my favorite Batman as well. I know all the the new Batman fans will have a heart attack at hearing that, but I'm with you, man. Michael Keaton was the bomb. Well, and he's the prototype for for Batman, really, too, for future Batmans. So, like the the Batman, the new movie that came out, kind of the goth, is very goth, kind of crow like, and he's and he he's really kind of the Batman. There's just not a muscle guy; he's just a kind of a depressed guy, right? So Michael Keaton set that precedent for hey, Batman isn't like some big buff guy; he's just kind of weird and depressed, and he dresses up like a bat to fight a clown. <laughs> well, and what's great about it is he did take Batman into the, that direction, which every Batman since has been influenced mm -hmm. by, right? Because prior to that, it was the 60s camp kind of thing, which is pro which it seems like is kind of what they thought they were going to get. And he's like, no, let's uh, let's take it a bit darker. Yeah. And he had Michael or no, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, which was pretty brilliant. And it was a dark movie. If you watch it, it's not a, like it's not like. A lot of parents are ticked because they're like, this isn't a kid's movie. And Tim's like, yeah, this isn't a kid's movie, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of pretty dark. It's not for like little kids at all. Yeah. Uh, again, my favorite Joker as well. I know everybody loves Heath Ledger, but uh, no way. You can't compare it to Jack, in my opinion. Jack's the best Joker. It's just a fact. Absolutely. And that led to, I guess, Edward Scissorhands in 1990, the first of his eight collaborations with Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely see a trend like when he works with somebody and they work well together that he keeps working with them again, like um, Michael Keaton, uh, Johnny Depp. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Helena Boehm Carter. Helena Boehm Carter. Well, he Win Winona Ryder. Up with her for years, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have two kids together. Yeah. So if he likes you, you're going to, he'll stick to you like Lou. You'll be, you'll have work for a long time. Yeah. So, so, so cast, no, me, cast me in one of your films, buddy. Cast me in one of your films. That's what I was going to say. He <laughs> needs to, you need to get cast in a Tim Burton production and then just really get on with the guy and get along. And then you'll have work for decades to come. Come on, Tim. I'll, uh, I'll be a pal. I can, I can do, I can be the, I can be the new Johnny Depp. 
Edward Scissorhands probably one of my favorite of his films though because um, later on and when they kind of interview him, it's really kind of a story about him. So imagine you're Tim Burton, but you're in Bur- you're in you grew up in Burbank. <laughs> In this kind of like cookie cutter central area. Yeah. It's like the most non Tim Burton place you could be. So he he's this weird gothy dark dude who grew up in Burbank. So this is kind of Edward is kind of him growing up. Um, and I can see that. I thought it was a brilliant film. I, I love that movie. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the theaters and, and uh, thinking it was fantastic as well. So it's an, an amazing film. So then he goes on to do Batman Returns, like you said, and he still pissed people off because the Joker's really gross, like he's all deformed and he's constantly like puking up something, and and then Catwoman's totally. You mean S&M. the Penguin? The Penguin. What did I say? You said the Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Penguin. That's right. Ha <laughs> ha! You accuse me of screwing those things up. Ha ha ha! Yeah, take you drink, got listener. me, bro. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take a drink. Yeah, but he's all gross. Danny DeVito's all gross and like webbed feet and flippers and like that's his body. And then Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer is like this super haughty S&M with a whip and the leather. You know what that's all about. So parents are like, hey, this movie isn't for kids. This is even darker and way sexier. Yeah, my last movie wasn't for kids either. It's kind of, you kind of get that I'm not making Batman kids movies. Like that's not my thing. Yeah. (laughs) But later, that's why they didn't let him go on with it. They hired Joel Schumacher to do his goofy shit because they wanted more kids and Happy Meals and stuff. So that's when they started to do all this neon Joel Schumacher horse shit. And which is also why, of course, uh, they had to get a new Batman. Michael Keaton left because he's like, what? Tim Burton's not doing it. I'm out of here. Yeah, good call, Val, too. There you go, Val. You can do it. Yeah. And that, that just goes to show you that, like, when you get when you make something successful, they they boot you out or you have to let it go because now it's a successful thing. Yeah. And I think Tim Burton's the kind of person who makes things successful or or generates new kind of concepts. And then once they're established, he kind of has to move on because either he doesn't want to do it or the studios are like, hey, you know, you did great, but your stuff's really dark and weird. But that's why it was good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's so we're gonna like make it. it all Joel Schumacher and weird, like stupid. In which they did, and then those movies kind of got worse and worse and worse. And they're like, okay, maybe we should go dark again. And now they're like, how dark can we possibly go? Yeah, yeah. But his his uh, Batman's influence the animated series oh, that yeah. we've already talked about in a past episode. Uh, even the look of the penguin, they kind mm-hmm. of made him, all the animated penguins now kind of look like this. The, this particular version of the Penguin. So every Batman since then is heavily influenced by his Batman and the characters from the series. That's right. He's kind of the father of the modern Batman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Say what you will about uh, the new ones. He, if it weren't for Tim Burton, you wouldn't have uh, Batman and Mustang. Or you would, but they'd be kind of some goofy guy in tights dancing around to the Batusi or some shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that would be weird. That'd be bad. Well, speaking of a goofy guy dancing around in tights, let's uh, discuss the Superman movie that Tim Burton was supposed to do (laughs) that was written by Kevin Smith. And uh, yeah, so Tim Burton was supposed to do a Batman or a, a Superman movie with Nick Cage. 
And you can see kind of some of the test photos and stuff for this. It didn't, it looked like it was going to be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nick Cage had a mullet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, his hair did not work well. I mean, I'm assuming they might have shaved it or something. You know, he might have gotten a more superman type haircut for it. But uh, I, I want to read that script. Do you, is, I'm curious if that script isn't even online somewhere. Like if Kevin's... I don't know. I'd be curious because it's such a part of this movies that were never made lore. Yeah. Like what if we could convince Tim Burton to go make that shit? If they could get uh, the studio to greenlight it or something. Because it's a weird combination too. Because you've got Kevin Smith who was doing, you know, his clerks and mall rats and that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a... He's a comic book nerd, but he's never really written a comic book film. Uh, he's written homages to comic books plenty and talked about them. Uh, but so there's that. And then you've got Tim Burton doing his kind of dark superhero thing. And Superman's not really a dark superhero. Well, until recently again. Wow. But at that time, he wasn't considered a dark superhero. You've got Nicolas Cage, who <laughs> nobody pictures as Superman. <laughs> That would have been an amazing, amazing film. I don't know if it would have been amazingly bad or amazingly good, but it would have been an amazing film to have watched. Yeah. I wonder what, what's, what are they, what were they thinking Mm -hmm. with the Nick Cage, even the casting Nick Cage, you know, it's going to be weird. I mean, I like Nick Cage. I've said that before, but I'm having a hard time picturing that. (laughs) Lois. Yeah. I got to go. <laughs> Something's going on. <laughs> so weird. Then he did one of my favorite films, which is Ed Wood. Uh, I enjoy the Ed Wood films and his take on it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, perfect casting as well with uh, his reoccurring casting partner, Johnny Depp, Martin Landau, like so many great people in that film. He did it in black and white, which of course everybody was, the studios were like, no, you can't do it in black and white. And he's like, no, it's going to be in black and white. It's going to work. You'll see. Yeah. Who who would ever make a movie in black and white? Schindler's List. <laughs> Schindler's <laughs> List. <laughs> totally. I thought that was a great, and you can tell the love he had for Ed Wood. Um, yeah. I think he really kind of, it was just a big homage to Ed Wood, who's just hilarious. Yeah. And he said that, that Ed Wood is one of his, basically his favorite filmmakers and stuff. So you definitely see that as well. Uh, in fact, a quote of his, nobody had his style. That's something I tried to do in my films. You have your own kind of cryptic message in there. Cryptic things that most people wouldn't understand, but are important to you. Things that kind of keep you going through the process. So mm-hmm. that's uh, his kind of opinion on Edward, uh, which is funny because, again, he's always on that list of like worst filmmakers of all time. But he's, yeah. he lives in his own little world. And yeah, and it's that, his own thing, man. Yeah. And I think that's Tim Burton as well. He's in his own little world. Yeah. Well, uh, Ed Wood was the first movie that, that uh, Danny Elfman did not come back for because while he was producing Tim Burton produced he didn't direct it, but he produced the nightmare before Christmas. And I guess he and Danny got in a little creative scuffle. So mm-hmm. Danny said, I am not going to come back to that wood for you. Cause I'm butthurt. Yeah. I wonder what the scuffle was. Cause it took him quite a few years to work through that one. 
Yeah, he he didn't come back. I I didn't know how long it was. I actually saw that he Danny Elfin did the music for Wednesday. Yep. And I thought, oh, is that the first thing he's done? Are they reunited? But they actually got back together in um in Mars Attacks. Oh, okay. So it wasn't too long then. It wasn't. Yeah, guys like that can't get butt hurt for too long. They just need a little break from each other, and they're they're on they're on they're on again. Yeah, Mars Attack is a attacks is a very Kind of, it's still him, you know. He's got the stop motion, another kind of quirkiness, but it's a much brighter film, a lot more color in there, not as much black, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, color wise, it's it's a lot brighter. Thematically, it's still pretty dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still a lot of people like getting roasted, aliens <laughs> coming through, and yeah, <laughs> and uh, lasering everybody and. All that kind of stuff. And the whole sewing on the heads to the dogs and whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Just because it's brighter doesn't mean it's any less weird. In fact, I think it's one of his weirdest movies ever. Oh, it's definitely weird. Yeah. And talk about an all-star cast, though. It's like, hey, who wants to work with um, in in this film? And everybody's like, me, 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 pick me, pick me, me, me pick me. Wait. me. <laughs> it's like it's got yeah. everybody in it. It does. And it's it's this funny. Again, he likes to do homages. This was the homage to the uh, those 50 sci fi aliens come into attack Earth kind of movies. And you also throw in some of those 70s disaster movies in there. So it's a real homage to stuff that he likes. Yeah, I, I you, you definitely see it in there. It To be honest, is I like that film, but it's certainly not one of my favorite films of his. But uh, it is a great film. And it's not three years later that he does one that is a fantastic film, in my opinion. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, that that's when he's going full-blown dark. Like, I don't care about you studios and your kids. I'm going full-on rated R. That's good stuff. I just I just watched that a couple of months ago, and it holds stands the test of time. It's such a, a brilliantly made film. Yeah, we talked about Sleepy Hollow before because it was on my list of uh, Halloween movies that you should watch on Halloween night. And it's based on that old uh, Ichabod Crane tale, Sleepy Hollow. But again, this is another homage. He did this as a kind of an homage to Hammer films. You know, those old Hammer movies? Yep. Those horror movies from the- Horror movies, yeah. Yeah, those old old ones, kind of low budget. (laughs) This was his homage to those. Was it you that said that quote or was it somewhere else? And they, uh, they were talking to the some of the crew on that film and basically said, because it was all filmed on a soundstage, or was it somebody else? And they yeah, basically I were told like, you about, it was like 90, 90% of it was on a stage and people thought, wow, this is what it's like in, in Tim Burton's mind. Yeah, it's totally. this strange, sleepy, hollow, dark soundstage. It's like, yeah, we're in the mind of Tim Burton, like a hol- holodeck. so this is what it's like in there that would have been fun to film yeah yeah, that would have been a lot of fun so what about his so he he was with actress lisa marie yeah talk about his love life a little bit yeah like uh basically he referred to her as his muse for a while How, how long were they together i don't think it was all that long uh where's my notes they were married right hold on i've got it here yeah, they they were married for a while, I think. So, yeah, they were together for like 92 to 2001. And he cast her in a lot of kind of stuff like that. So, that's kind of a long time. That's almost a decade. Yeah, so 10 years. And then he met Helena Bonham Carter in 2001. And he was with her uh, till 2014. And they have 
two children together. So he did leave Lisa Marie for Helena Bottom Carter. But I kind of got the impression when reading up on it that it was kind of more or less to the to the getting towards the end of their relationship anyways. Wow. So it seems like that these are the type of women like Tim Burton would be with though. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's believable. I mean, hell about Bottom Carter. I, I mean, to be honest, they're both beautiful. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I totally had a crush on Helena Bottom Carter and stuff like that. There was an f- interesting uh, trivia item that after they split up, Lisa Marie took a bunch of his stuff and put it up for an auction and basically sold it all off. <laughs> and it's like, screw you, Tim Burton. I'm going to sell all your <laughs> shit. Wow. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see. I, I mean... We talk about him in past tense, but he's still working. Like I said, I I like Wednesday and I like liking shows. You know, it's so rare now for me to like shows, right? Yeah. And I watched this this Wednesday with my son and I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Wednesday's kind of like she's dark and weird and she's really weird. And all the but all the kids in this kind of Hogwarts school are weird. It's this murder mystery kind of thing going on. It's kind of fun. And it's good. Like, I I liked it, but my son's a teenager and he liked it because it's kind of a teen at its core. It's a teen, dark teen, teen comedy, right? So, I think it's just a good job. So, he's still out there doing good work. I think the only shitty thing he ever made was that uh, Planet of the Apes. Oh, Planet of the Apes was terrible. Yeah, which is where he met Helena and Bottom Carter. Yeah, his 2000 stuff is a bit hit and miss for me. Uh, I didn't care for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I thought that was terrible. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I don't know. Dark Shadows. Like, So he did some good stuff. He did the Frankenweenie feature film. Sweeney Todd, he did. Big Fish, I thought, is a is an underrated film. It doesn't get enough yeah, credit. totally. So, yeah, he, he definitely got a bit hit and miss after the 80s and 90s, I think. He was pretty one across the board, really successful in the 80s and 90s. And then into the 2000s, it's hit and miss. Sporadic, more sporadic. Yeah, I put him on my on a list I did for my uh, for the for one of my for my other podcast, the No Budget Podcast or the YouTube channel of like top filmmakers. And a lot of people were quite offended by it. And they're like, no, he's not. And I'm like, I think you're looking too much at his recent stuff. And you need to look at his overall filmography and yeah. the range of stuff that he does and the way he does it. And I, I think you he's look still- at his whole portfolio. I would say that he's one of the best male filmmakers of all time. I will. I'll say it. Yeah. Well, I and didn't put I, him at the top if, of the list, but I put him in the top 10. Yeah. And if he's in our top 10, I mean, we got a website. Yeah. We got the so we could put that on the eighties and nineties dot com. Then it's true because people look on the internet for top ten filmmakers <laughs> of all time. They'll be like, "Well, I guess he is because he's on the eighties and nineties dot com." Yep, hell yeah, it's on the internet. Must be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's well. And the thing is, he's not just a director, right? He writes. He does. I mean, he's an artist, right? He's he's been oh, yeah, featured he's at the Museum artist. of Modern Art. Like he had a, a yeah. showing at the Museum of Modern Art. Like, I mean, he, he, he does so much that in then, 2015, he even had a, a book come out of all his napkin doodles. Yeah. Bar napkins. And it, and it sold it as a book in 2015 and sold a bunch of copies of that book. So it's not just a, yeah, he's multi-talented. He's an, he's an artist. Oh, 100% across the board. Yeah. So absolutely. Really amazing. So the 80s and 90s.com declares Tim Burton one of the best filmmakers of all time. 
So it is said, so it is done. It and is he's said. also a great artist and we like him. We like you, Tim. And if Tim Burton, I know you're listening. If you want to hire Milo to come on one of your movies that you're making right now, do it. He's he's available. And then you guys can go like drink some, I don't know, Dr. Pepper whiskey things that, that Milo likes. And you'll like totally get along. And then he'll be like one of the guys in your movies because you like to work with the same kind of people that you like. So let's do it, Tim. Let's do it. Yep. I'm available. Uh, have your agent call my agent. Or you could just have anybody call Milo directly. Or just call me directly. I won't you know, if, if <laughs> you. Hey, this is Tim Burton. Uh, sorry, Tim. You need to call my agent. You need and, to call uh, my agent, Tim Burton. <laughs> arrange it with her first. Well, we got a contact form on the 80s, 90s.com. And that's where you can also sign up for our, uh, our magazine. We come out with all kinds of fun stuff on our magazine. A lot of people like it. If If you're not subscribed to it, uh, the, you're not getting fun stuff in your inbox. Like you're not learning how my my method for making pizza waffles. Yeah, that's important to get that email. I go step by step on how you can make leftover pizza waffles, and and you miss that if you're not if you're not part of the email magazine. So you want to be the cool kids. You want to learn about Bob Barker's pencil thin microphone. You want to learn about the history behind Sit Ubu Sit. Sign up. Sign up for. Uh, the 80s and 90s magazine on there our you website. Go. Do it. And you do it at the 80s and 90s.com. And with that, we will say we are out of here like me because I'm going to run to the other room, sit down, and watch the next episode of Wednesday. Goodbye. Yeah, do it. <laughs>